Queer Rights Sessions, QWS Podcast, in partnership with Blarney Books and Art in Port Ferry. I'm your host, Rob, aka RWR McDonald, and this is a Words and Nerds spin-off series. Thanks, Danny! I'm coming to you from the land of the Wurundjeri people, and I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Each month, QWS Podcast will bring you reviews, shout-outs of LGBTIQA plus writers, and feature an interview with a queer writer from our rainbow communities. And now on with the show. Jasper Peach lives on stolen Jajawarung country in Castlemaine, Victoria, with their wife and two children. They are trans, non-binary and disabled writer, editor and broadcaster. They are passionate about equitable access and inclusion with a strong focus on storytelling centred around the dismantling of misplaced shame. Jasper served as guest co-editor for Archer Magazine's 16th edition and their work appears in Higher Up, the Sydney Morning Herald, SBS Voices and We've Got This, a book about parenting with a disability. Their latest book is You'll Be a Wonderful Parent, Advice and Encouragement for Rainbow Families of All Kinds. It's out this month, published by Hardy Grant. Welcome to the show, Jasper. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, But firstly, congratulations on the book and we're going to deep dive into that. Um, But first, on QWS Podcast, we start with an opening question, which is, how has your work influenced your identity? Mm. Um, my work is my identity, and I don't mean that in a gross, like, capitalist kind of way. I mean, as a as a disabled person with an energy-limiting disability, I need to be really, really choosy about the way that I spend my energy. And if I do that wisely, my work helps me to feel more well. So... Looking back with the benefit of hindsight, I'm, I'm 42 now and looking back all the work that has been the most um, fulfilling and satisfying has has really helped my health. So look, I, I had to write this book. It didn't exist and I thought that was bogus. So it doesn't really matter who wrote it. It's here now. That's, I'm really, I'm really glad that it's here. So I guess part of my identity is seeing what's missing, seeing if someone's going to do it. If they're not doing it, I'll do it. Why not? Brilliant. I love that. Thank <laughs> you so much. And uh, for our listeners, I'm going to read the blurb of the book. So you'll be a wonderful parent. Jasper Peach provides a practical and emotional guide for LGBTIQA plus families around the arrival of a new baby. Becoming a parent is already a challenging time, even more so if you don't see yourself reflected in mainstream parenting resources, culture, or even language. But alphabet soup families are also in the unique position of being able to intentionally build their own family structure and create an environment of huge love and belonging for their children. This little book holds the reader's hand through the journey of both birth and non-birth parents with advice on everything from dealing with others' definitions of your family to finding the right medical care and communities. And of course, making sure that you take a lot of naps before the baby is born. A beautiful illustrated hardback full of warmth and person. You'll Be a Wonderful Parent is unlike any other book on the market, 
and its inclusive and celebratory approach to queer parenting. And there is something for everyone to learn from the values and ex- of Rambo. It is the perfect book for new or expecting parents. Option. Um, I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> like as a parent in a rainbow family, I love that this book now exists. Uh, not only is it a great resource for anyone and those in our communities thinking about the parent, but also as a gift for those friends and family to educate them. So can you tell us about how this book came to be? Yeah, sure. Um, when the pandemic started, sorry to use the P word, but that's what was going on. <laughs> uh, when the pandemic started, I was working as a marriage celebrant and I'd been doing that for 17 years. Um, really, and I, I loved that work so much, um, you know, really deep diving into people's love stories, deep listening, creating meaningful ritual and then holding that space. Um, and then the pandemic happened and when it was legal to do so when it, when I could work in that space i it wasn't as fun for me because social distancing didn't didn't seem to apply and i'm i'm immunocompromised so i've got to be really careful and my workplace which is other people's weddings became a thing i couldn't do anymore so yeah. i had to really yeah i really had to think about oh cuz i thought this was a job i would just have for the rest of my life till i was a a little old they and um <laughs> and but you know what I'm I'm not glad it happened but I'm I'm really excited about this life that has opened up in front of me. It started out as doing a sensitivity read for a friend for her book. So this book is part of a series. Um the right. first book in the series was by Ayosa Wild, who's a wonderful children's author and she wrote this gorgeous book called You'll Be a Wonderful Dad. It was a love letter to a friend of hers who was becoming a father for the first time. Mm-hmm. And she asked me to read it from a queer perspective and see if it felt inclusive. And so I read it. It was beautiful, but it wasn't really for our community. It was from a heterosexual person to a heterosexual person. It's a letter. It's You don't need to make it something it's not. It was yeah. beautiful. And my main feedback for Ailsa in that um, post-sensitivity read meeting was you're a person who is inclusive. You're a person who has all sorts of friends. And I would just recommend, if it feels right, add something about make sure your children see you loving and respecting all sorts of people. And then they'll know whoever they grow up to be, they'll be safe and they'll be they'll be um, someone that, that you will love. So, because that's true, that's the sort of person Elsa Wilde is. Um, and then as a joke at the end of the meeting, I said, oh, you should tell your publisher that I'll write a companion book. And <laughs> So she went and talked to them and they contacted me and asked me for a writing sample. So I just sat down here and went, okay, what would I say? And wrote, I guess, what was essentially the first draft of this book. It was just a little 5,000 word blah. And (laughs) that exploded out of me. Um, And at the time, our kids were, let's see, they were nearly two and nearly four. So it was pretty fresh, you know, all that, yeah, that time yeah, yeah. leading up and the birth and when they're little and and they went for it. Yeah, and, it, you know, writing books and getting books published takes a long time. Um, and Alice Wilde did let me know that because I had I'd never worked in this industry before. Yeah. Uh, and she said, oh, publishing takes ages. It takes so much longer than you'd ever think it will. But when your book is out, it feels like a shock. <laughs> and that's exactly, <laughs> exactly what's happening. It's, yeah. That's so true. It feels <laughs> like forever and then all of a sudden. 
And you kind of think, how did that happen, right? And then, and then people will tell you what they think of it. It's like, <laughs> it's like when you've had a baby and they go, oh, your baby is so beautiful. And you think, of course they are. Yes. But that's just fact. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> yeah. Why are you commenting on my baby? Yeah. 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 So it's a bit like your baby going out into the world. And yeah. this this year my babies have started kindergarten and prep. So it's oh. it's very it's a very parallel kind of yeah. journey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've got um teenagers now, but oh, gosh. yeah. So when we way back, so I, I co-parent. Um and when we started, it was back in the John Howard era where he was changing the definition of marriage to exclude us. And so it almost felt like an act of rebellion. Saying that, dear listener, we all wanted to be parents. So it wasn't, <laughs> we weren't doing protest babies. But um, back then there was <laughs> there was maybe baby in Melbourne, which was a group where you could go along and ask the questions and hear from the experience, which you've captured so beautifully like now that this book is out in the world I'm so excited like I was talking to uh, Amy Wilson from Queer Chameleon about how that book should be in every library and I think this should be as well and again fantastic present to go out there and you, you've captured everything microaggressions um, dealing with a system that's still and look to be fair I think there is a lot that is changing, but for a lot of us uh, rainbow families, we are having to say we need three school reports, um, you know, just things like that. And to, yeah, and, and like I say, to be fair, a lot of the schools, they, they are trying, but their actual like computer systems, things are just not. That's what it is, isn't it? There's so much rapid change in presence, in understanding, in language. It's just bing, boom, bam, bam. But then it's, it's the is it the infrastructure it's and it's the computers like I I talked to a few people for this book who had the lived experiences that I haven't had because I can't talk about something I haven't lived and he was telling me that as a trans man um, the computer once you select male will just wipe out any kind of birth related procedures or appointments and so that was a really big problem for their yeah. system to to work out how to do and I just, and I hear that sort of thing all the time, and I just think, well, surely once one person's mentioned it, you'd sort it out, but it can take years. Yeah. And it, it, like my three-year-old says, it bloated my mind open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just seems so, like, we're, we're here. We're not we're not pretend. Um, no, but you no. just add that box in your computer whatever machine with the internet is made i don't know how it works <laughs> but it seems a bit of a silly billy situation to me i don't know absolutely and I look, <laughs> I look, there's that brilliant intersect where you know we we have the you know, we're human we have the same concerns as non-queer parents yeah but i loved about the love bubble and uh logical family which you know one of the things I think the queer community does so incredibly well is, you know, we make that found family and how that can look mm. as a parent. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Mm. Um, well, before, I guess before this book existed, what, what we did, um, my partner and I was, we talked to other people that we knew in our community who, who had their babies or had their baby and, and you, you know, you you sort of broach the subject with with great respect always, yeah. and say, "Oh, 
we're really interested in having children. Would you mind if we asked you some questions just about how we would go about things? Mm. Um, because, you know, all, all queer people know what it is like to be this item of fascination and entertainment, you know. Uh, so very mindful not to do that. And and all the people we asked were, oh, sure, come over for lunch. Ask us anything. We'll tell you our story and you can you can ask us anything you'd like to know. And that feeling, that's really what I wanted to capture, that open-hearted warmth and trust and intimacy um, that we share behind closed doors with our our community members. It's like family. It's so loving and so holding and and it's generous. It's incredibly generous. You know, that's what we do so well is, is share that information about not just being safe and staying alive, but how we thrive, yeah. how we be- live our best lives. Because I, I guess a lot of queer people, a lot of trans people growing up, we didn't see this sort of life as a possibility yeah. and sometimes any kind of life as a possibility. Yeah. So dreaming big, it's it's an intimate and vulnerable thing to do. You know, Absolutely. I really, yeah, I want. I just wanted that to be something that that was on the bookshelf, that wasn't just this tokenistic little paragraph, just to tick a box. You know, yeah. this is for us. This is for our community. Yeah, and you've you've captured that beautifully. Like it, it really, like you say, it does feel warm. It's the feeling you want to bottle, right? It's that yeah. warm. Yeah, and open people were so open and generous. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing about our communities is. You know, communication is really valued. Yes, of course, we have our, our blind spots when it comes to it as well. We're not perfect, but there is that. I think because we go through the experiences that we go through, there's that um, value what's really important. But, yeah, I think, and and I love that, and there is so much open openness and honesty um, when it comes to talking about, you know, sex or you know, where we're talking about making a family or I guess because we've had to deal with shame a lot more than perhaps a non-queer person, once you sort of can process that, you just don't put up with any kind of nonsense around it anymore. Um, but can you tell us, uh, please, a little bit about how you structured this this book? Mm, that's a great question. Um, it's sort of like the the phases of birth really but there's I guess I wanted wanted it to be kind of linear my mind is not linear in any way shape shape or form um I'm all over the place I'm like a pinball machine and the little balls just going all over the place so um this was a very good exercise for me to to try and make sense I guess structuring this book I tried to think through what happened in my life um, and in our family. Um, I tried to think through what that would look like to the external gaze and which parts were important. Mm. Um, So, I mean, you you were mentioning just a few moments ago about um, about not putting up with with nonsense from external sources, and I absolutely agree with that. I, d- I don't put up with nonsense from from people who um, you know might not use inclusive language or or 
might ask me very personal questions, but that has been such a learning experience through through having kids, I think, yeah. because for the, I guess for the first year, whenever someone asked um, myself or my partner a really personal question, both of us would be so shocked that we would just answer it. And so we had to, yeah. you know, and we'd come home and we'd say, oh, my God, the lady at daycare kept asking me who gave birth to this kid, and I, I told them, but I didn't want to, and why does, why does she need to know? And, um, yeah. and so then we would talk about it, and, and I noticed that we were just sort of getting stuck in the, the bit where you were upset. And so I would say, okay, this is going to keep happening. Like, it's just going to keep happening. Yeah. We're interesting to people who, who aren't living this life. So that's fine. And there's also the pressure of you don't want to represent your community and be those rude queer people um, you know um, so hard relating right now yeah. <laughs> so so we I, I said all right we've just got a workshop this we need to practice a response we need to practice so I'm gonna be the rude person at the supermarket hey where'd you get your baby what country did you adopt them from what do you say and then we you know we would do that like yeah. we had oh my gosh we had we had a family Christmas right where um, one of the extended family people said, oh, yes, we've got a lovely family at our church who got their baby from a terrible home and they're so loved now. And I was like, what? <laughs> that's that's great that there's an adoption that's taken or foster or whatever it was. There is nothing wrong with fostering an adoption. Fostering adoption Ooh. is beautiful. But, my, you know, our, our children have been born in our family and why do you I didn't even say, why did you think that? I was so shocked yeah. that she had just decided our story. Yeah. You know, it's such a, it's such a weird thing. So we, we need to, we needed to, it took about 18 months for us to really go, all right, all right, we've got that second skin now. You know, yeah. when your babies are born and it's like, all oh, your skin's falling off and all your, <laughs> your heart's just outside your body. Your feelings are so big. Um, so we really had to practice and, and get that tough callus back up again where we could, we could hold a boundary, even though yeah. the other person might not understand why. You just hold it and go. Well, that's not that's my child's information, and yeah, which they're not, I, old, they're not old enough to decide yet. So, which I'm I thought you, them. yeah, and I thought you you write about it beautifully, and and the book all about that. And I think you're also incredibly kind uh, when it came to which we all experience, which is people asking questions. But I, I think you call it open hearted. Um, yeah, so. They're asking with good intent. They actually are yeah. genuinely interested. Right. But yeah. it is that thing. And, yeah, you come up with the responses to try and cut things down because, yeah, people, it's almost like there's this entitlement to. Yeah. The emotional labour is astounding. <laughs> it's just like everyone with kids is exhausted because you're running around yeah. picking up crusts that have been shoved down the couch and how long's that apple core been there and stop yeah. pulling the dog's tail <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you've got like very well-meaning kind people either telling you what your story is or demanding to know um <laughs> and it, it would feel like if i went to someone so what what sexual position were you in when you conceived? How were you feeling that day? Did you enjoy that sex? Was that good? Is that why your baby's happy? It's the same, right? It's so interesting. 100%. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. But people don't know till they know. I really yes. try yeah. and hold that. I really try and hold that even when I'm frustrated or tired or or whatever yeah. it is. They don't know till they know. And sometimes the moment when they learn, when they get to know, can be quite defining. So, you know, it's no one's responsibility to be anyone else's teachable moment. I, I never want to put that mm. pressure on anyone, let alone myself. But if I have the energy, if I have the, the goodwill in my heart that day, um, I will do my best to be gentle but firm about it. And yeah. say, oh, look, that's even though you've got a gay hairdresser and you know them, which is what you've framed your question around, that's quite a personal question for me, someone you have just met. So, <laughs> Yes. And I remember um, um, uh, when my, my first book came out, which is an adult crime novel, and one of the, which I, I turned down, one of the publicity things was an article talking about my rainbow family. And I was like, nothing to do with the book. And I was just, I, I said no, because oh. that's not related at all. And that's my private family business. Oh. And with our children, like, I mean, I, I obviously we're all incredibly protective and, and parents are, but I think for us, yeah, it's about, and, and you talk about it in the book around home and then outside world so how do you yeah can you tell us a little bit from from the book around for maybe for non-queer listeners a couple of those challenges for children and and family of uh rainbow parents yeah i think i think one of the challenges is actually having those conversations with with your partner, either during pregnancy or surrogacy or or whatever it is that means that you're going to have a child in your family, it's this is something that that cis het people don't even need to think about, like protecting their story. They don't need to think about that. I mean, there might be some people who do, but it's not a blanket situation where everyone who is a member of the LGBTIQA plus community who is having a family. It's it can be a really tender subject and it's really personal. So the parent or parents need to decide together a united front about what what is our response um, to this. Are we how do we deal with with the fallout of of the the fatigue that happens from that emotional labour? How do we help each other through that? Um, you really got to think it through from beginning to end, mm. um, and that's that's something that that is unique i think yeah. yeah oh what else gosh i mean can you think of any that that have well that i guess i guess we family? could we, we could flip it as well and and some of the joy of mm. um being a rainbow family and it is a lot of fun it's a lot of for us yeah a lot of really great discussions and open communication and ideas and seeing your children you know thrive is yeah. Oh, do you know? Do you know what I love about it is like our kids are now um, five and three, and they don't bat an eyelid at anyone. They're very yeah. used to all sorts of people. Um, in my kids' reader for school this morning, there was um, you know it was a book about the wheels that are on different vehicles, and there was um, a photo of 
of um, a Paralympian who was um, using their wheelchair to race. And and my kids said, oh, wow, look how strong they are. And that was their comment. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's just so, I love that. Yeah. I love that we live these really intentional lives and it, and it's a privilege to think about these things that I guess other yes. people who are like the majority, they don't have to. They have the choice of Hmm. about if they wanted to they wanted to make the space and time and in their lives to do that but it's something that i think i think queer families do really well yeah yeah and i absolutely agree and i guess probably something that we kind of just take not for granted but just as a given but again maybe not is just how you know our kids are are rooted in equality like that is just a fundamental belief like what you were saying you know across the board so their interactions with with other um people they're coming from that lens and it was interesting uh particularly primary school so you've got this but it's just you know them coming home and talking about i guess different things that were said not to them necessarily but just an all-around equality and just them and and their friends who came from non-queer parents but this is why i've got such great faith in the new generation is because they call stuff out like they were doing stuff oh my goodness i was when i look back i was just sort of running around eating my lunch and these kids are like yeah just challenging stuff and i just think it's yeah so they see it don't they they can identify yeah label it things yeah. not quite right even even like I know I've mentioned consent a bit, but yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my my kids is really high energy, right, and loves to play loud games where you run and chase, and and they know to always check with. Like this is something that they have decided to do themselves. They'll check with the other children they're playing with. Is this type of play okay for you? Do you feel happy? Oh, and wow. I'm just like, what? You're five. I'm gonna follow you around throughout <laughs> how to live. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the lessons that it took me till my 30s to even notice, you know. Mm, mm. It's really, really special, really incredible. Yeah, it is. It's it's incredible. And um, another thing I love about the book is you're covering, it's about being a parent. So that is no matter how the child comes into your life, it's about you being that parent Um you know, from queer community. I, it's so inclusive. I absolutely adore it. So I was hoping you might do a reading for us from You'll Be a Wonderful Parent. And as long as you don't think it's a spoiler, because it is the <laughs> final, final thoughts page, 117, mm. uh, I was teary-eyed in the cafe when I read it. Um, it's, <laughs> I think it's just beautiful. I just have to say I love when people cry. <laughs> <laughs> like through through my life, I've always been like, "Yes, that's great. You're releasing your feelings, and you're not holding it all inside for it to turn <laughs> into pain or whatever it is." So, yay! Um, thanks. It's really lovely feedback. Okay, so final thoughts: the love you feel as a parent, the fear and hope and vulnerability and wonder. It is exquisite and humbling. Use it to make the best choices you can. The best advice I can offer, other than the naps before birth thing, is to always greet your children with joy. When they know that you're happy to see them, no matter what, it will help shape such an unshakable sense of self that they'll know their worth in any setting. 
And the single greatest gift you can give yourself next time you look in the mirror is to regard that person staring back with that same joy and pride and acknowledge that despite the scars of this world, you are loved, you are worthy, you are here and perfect as a parent and as a person just as you are. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jasper. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, yeah, adore it. And now we have our book reviewer, Joe from Blarney Books and Art in Port Ferry. Hello, Joe. Hello, Rod. And what book do you have for us today? Ah, I've just read this most amazing book. It's called Confessions of the Fox by Geordie Rosenberg. It's probably a book that is known to people in the queer community because it's it's a ripper. It was released in 2019 and it's Geordie Rosenberg himself is a trans writer. And he's taken the story of Jack Shepard, who's a notorious real-life UK thief from the 1700s, 18th century London, and reimagined Jack Shepard's life as a trans man because he felt Geordie Rosenberg, when researching um, Jack Shepard, found that every reference to him was that he was slight and lithe and sexy and I think Geordie felt that that was perfect for a queer representation. It's a super charged. There's a lot of erotica in there. Um, yes, lots of fun. So is this a, a historical novel? Is there sort of elements of biography woven in? Jack Shepard's biography, yes. So he sticks kind of to the story of Jack Shepard's um, thievery and uh, liaisons. His criminal underworld. He um he was notorious for escaping prison. So he oh, was arrested, I think, in prison maybe three or four times, and each time successfully escaped um, right. until the very end. And that's not a spoiler. You can look up Jack Shepard's history anywhere. But um, the interesting thing with the story is that there's a, also a 21st century scholar who's found these confessions. The scholar is fictional, but could be Jordan Geordie Rosenberg, who's found these confessions and is reading them. So all the way through the manuscript is uh, footnotes by Dr. Voth, who is the scholar. And they're quite humorous and entertaining. And I love a good footnote. And these are just <laughs> incredible. Yep, fully recommend this book. It's wild. For uh, listeners out there, um, where would it sit in the bookshelf? Yes. So this book came out roughly around the same time as Paul Takes the Form of a Mortal Girl by Andrea Lola. And those two books together are both very sexy, very queer, very strange books, but I think essential for the queer bookshelf. Brilliant. Excellent. So that's Confessions of the Fox by Geordie Rosenberg. Thank you very much, Joe. My we'll pleasure. Talk to you next episode. Thank you very much, Rob. Bye. Bye. A question we ask all our guests is a writing question, which is around any advice or top tips for our writers out there. Mm. I think one of the one of the questions I'm asked the most frequently, so my FAQ, is how do you find your unique voice? Um, I think this is something that people are really worried about. 
And I just, just like to that, I, I really encourage anyone have fun with it. Just write for the heck of it. It doesn't have to be because you've been commissioned for a byline. It yeah. doesn't have to be for a job. It doesn't have to be for someone else to see. Just let your, your voice flow through into whatever it is that you're writing. Let yourself have fun with it and it will happen before you know it. it it's really about letting your authentic self shine through um and that that means believing that your voice is worth hearing and let me tell you a secret it is fantastic absolutely one thousand percent yeah i like those odds yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it is it's it is um indefinable but i think you've defined it very well uh, around that yeah authenticity and just letting go and it's okay to be a giant dork. You don't have to be cool. No, not at all. <laughs> and you don't have to be anyone other than yourself. Yeah, that's, true that. that's the whole point. Word. <laughs> so we also have a shout-out question. So firstly, how can listeners connect with you on socials or book events? Yeah, sure. I'm pretty easy to find. So if you look up on Instagram or on Twitter, where I live, um, my handle or whatever you call it is at Jasper Peach Says. Um, and on there, on there, I've got in my bio a link with all the events that are going on. Um, there's a book launch in North Fitzroy in April. Um, there's a few things around Central Vic where I live, and I'll be up in Geelong for QLit on the first of April. Brilliant. Yeah. I'll put those uh, up on our show notes as well. Thanks, Rob. And would you like to shout out any LGBTIQA plus artists, books, art shows, organisations, social media accounts? Yeah, I'd I'd like to give a shout out to the illustrator of this book, Quince Francis, um, who's done such a beautiful job representing the breadth of our, our community. They did such a soulful deeply thought out considered job with this yeah. with this work and it's, a, it's such a pleasure to have these illustrations in the book oh that's beautiful yeah and, um yeah quince francis won the rainbow prize at the blarney books and art biblio art awards two years ago yeah yeah, yeah. So it's so great to see their um illustration in yeah book. yeah i'm really i'm really excited to to be to have worked with them on this book and yeah. also that more people will see their work it's really yeah. Yeah. you know often, often we toil away in, in our little hometowns and um yeah. yeah the more we can lift one another up and um and share the the wonderful things that people are working on it, it creates so many beautiful ripples i think yeah. that just we don't know where they'll end up but it's 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 a wonderful thing, really wonderful Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, which is a, a fantastic segue to our closing question for you, Jasper Peach, uh, which is, what is your hope for the LGBTIQA plus community? Mm, I would love if we didn't need this book. <laughs> we do, we do though, and I don't I don't see that changing anytime soon. But um, I think I hope that. The labors that we undertake to chip away at the things that oppress us and exclude us, that they're not in vain and that our allies can take some of the work off our shoulders. It's really important that you step up and help us out because it is an everyday 24-7 job to, to do this work. 
It's really, it's, it's more, it's more bigger than I can say in correct English. Preach. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for creating such a, a wonderful book, celebrating our rainbow families. Yeah. Super excited for, you know, a new generation of parents. So yeah, me too. Thank me you. Too. Thanks thank so you. much, Rob. So lovely to speak with you. You too. Take care. Thanks. Please check out our show notes on Words and Nerds, Blarney Books and Art, and rwrmcdonald.com for links, reviews, and the interview transcript. Until next time, this is QWS Podcast.